I've been talking to you on Saturday about the covenant. The covenant covers everything in the Bible. Everything. Let me erase this. This is my board was on my board during the reading of the letters. The covenant covers everything. God promised Israel. He said, if you go after any other gods, he says this in Deuteronomy. I want to start beginning to do something with this. Deuteronomy 28. Hold on a second. I've got to make that a D. Deuteronomy 28. Leviticus 26. And in Exodus 15. These are... These are key verses. The Bible says the same thing in other chapters as it says in these. But these are very key. Deuteronomy 28 says, God says, Israel about to go in and possess the promised land after spending 400 years in Egypt and after spending 40 years in the wilderness. 400 years in Egypt. And before that was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph. Joseph was sold into Egypt by his brothers, and they were over there for 400 years. And that that bondage begins in Exodus, the first chapter. Joseph dies in the last chapter of Genesis. Well, when they come, they live through 400 years in Egypt, then God sends Moses to take them out of Egypt, And they spend 40 years in the wilderness. The big key to the judgments of God is what God tells Moses when he goes up on the mountain to get the law in Exodus 20. Exodus 20, he comes down with the law on tables of stone for the people of Israel. And then he says, you tell Israel, if they go after other gods... When they come into the land, into the land, and they come into the land after Deuteronomy, you have to understand something about Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, at the end of Deuteronomy, all they have in the land of Israel is believers. That's all. Because Deuteronomy comes from duo and namos. Nomos is a Greek word. It was named after after these Greek words. Duo means second. And you know what the word nomos is. It's the word law. It means the second law. In other words, you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Well, you have to keep reminding yourself that it took two witnesses to verify anything in Israel, two witnesses. That was law in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. Numbers 35. Numbers 35. You're going to find two witnesses. And that's and that holds true all the way through the Bible, even into the New Testament. Jesus tells the Pharisees, Is it not written in the law that the testimony of two men is true? But they have to be honorable men. And then you find that in Deuteronomy 17 and in Deuteronomy 19. 
So by the time you get into Deuteronomy, you got two witnesses. Israel, while they were here in the wilderness, while they were in the wilderness, they murmured against God and provoked God. They did not want to go in and fight the men of Anak. I'm not going to go into that. That's something I teach on on Wednesday. But they didn't want to go in because those were giants. So God says, I'm going to make you wander in the wilderness. This is very important. I'm going to kill off everybody that is military age because you refuse to go in and fight the men of Anak. I'd already destroyed the the Egyptian army, and you're saying I can't take care of that. They spied out the land for 40 days. So God says, I'm going to make you wander into the land until I kill off all the dissenters, the people that didn't want to go in and fight the men of Anak. Anak was the same thing on southern Judah. It was the same thing as the land of the Philistines. If this is Israel, it's this. It's also the Gaza Strip. The Gaza Strip. And it's also the land of Anak. And they spied out the land from Kadesh Barnea. Came back and said, we can't go in there. Those people are too big. God said, just for that, for provoking me and saying, I can't fight those giants. I'm going to make you one in the wilderness until I kill off everybody from 20 years old and upward. As of, as of this time where you were in Kadesh Barnea. So he makes them one in the wilderness a day for a year or a year for a day. Every day they spied out the land 40 years so he can kill off, kill off all unbelief. So when you get to the book of Deuteronomy, all unbelievers are dead. They all believe God. So when you get into Deuteronomy 30, and the Lord says, choose life. He's not telling all those believers to choose to get saved. That's not what he's saying. When he says, choose life, he's saying, Bakar. Select to live for the Lord. It's the same thing. This is very interesting because people say, I don't believe predestination. The Bible says you've got to choose life. He's talking to believers only. It's just like in Joshua. Perhaps somebody said this to you. Choose you this day who you will serve. See, that's free will. When you get to Joshua, they're all believers. But look what he says. Look at Joshua. He doesn't say choose to get saved. That's not what he's saying. He says you got a choice of two different evil things in Joshua. All right, Joshua 24. Oops, I flipped past it. Joshua. I'll get there in a minute. All right. And Joshua has all the people come to him. And notice what he says to choose. 
He doesn't say choose to be saved. That's not what he says. He says, Bakar, verse 15. Well, let's read 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Now, Joshua comes right after Judges. Judges comes right after Deuteronomy. And they're going to possess the land with all believers. And he says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And then he says those famous words. And it's and if it seem evil unto you to serve God and put away your gods, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. Now, here's your choice whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites when you're going into the land in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say choose whether you're going to do right or wrong. He says choose which wrong you're going to do. If you're going to do wrong, select. But these are all believers. He's not telling them to choose to be saved. Not saying at all. Can you read? You people that say you believe in free will now. So when you're in Deuteronomy, all the people in Israel are believers. He's killed off everybody in in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers that don't believe the truth. Now, now let me get back to where I was. And he says here in Deuteronomy 28, I've read it to you. I'm not going to read it. I'll just paraphrase it. He said, if you keep my statutes and my commandments, there's three things that I'll do for you or four, however you want to number it. He says, you got to keep my statutes and my commandments. This is what you call a covenant. Sometimes covenant will be will be referred to, and sometimes it won't be. But if the facts are there and the promise is there, the covenant's there. A covenant is, I keep saying this, a covenant is a two-way street. God says, I will give you commandments and you will obey me. And if you obey, I will, I will fill up your storehouses. I will fill up your, your store. I will fill up your fields. Your fields will have all the crops you need. You see, that was the big problem. They didn't have Kroger's or, or Publix or Safeway. I always put Safeway in in case somebody out in California or Texas is watching. Safeway's a big, a big, uh, supermarket out west. And if you, if you, they didn't have these stores to go to locally. They had to store their food. And God says, if you obey my laws, you'll have plenty of food. And he said, you'll have healthy children. And you'll go against your enemy one way, and they'll flee seven ways. 
And this holds true all the way through the Bible. When you get to the New Testament, this is spiritual supply. Spiritual. Then he says, if you're disobedient, in verse 15, disobedient, I'm going to send four judgments on you. The sword, the famine, the pestilence. And pestilence is disease. There's been all this argument about whether the coronavirus is as serious as it's been propagated to be. Here's the point. Any disease comes from God. Any. I don't care how small it is, how small you think it is. I don't care what you've heard. I don't care what gossip has been out there. They say, well, it's not as bad. And they number anybody that dies in the hospital, they number it with coronavirus. Let me tell you a secret. When they numbered the diseases that have been in the past, the virus of 1918, they couldn't separate diseases from people's natural problems with health, and they numbered them together. They couldn't get get it right. They would say that during the bubonic plague, 75 million to... 200 million died. Why, why, is, why is it that broad a range? Why is it that broad a range? Because they can't count properly. They don't know how. When somebody dies in the hospital and they have coronavirus along with whatever their other sickness is, they can't figure out how to number it. They don't know how. This is the judgment of God. And even when they had smallpox, they didn't know how to number that correctly. Smallpox. They said the smallpox, which was back several hundred, couple hundred years ago, they said the smallpox virus, that there was 25 million, between 25 to 50 million. That's because they don't know how to count it. They can't separate when you're in the hospital and you're having pneumonia from the virus. They don't know how to keep up with it. That's the whole point. If it is a sickness, it's from God. He said, when you're disobedient to me, I will send these diseases. I'll send the sword. I'll send the famine, the pestilence. And the last thing I will do, Israel... I will remove you anytime you find remove concerning Israel. That's talking about the beast. It's talking about the beast when he says remove. He says that in the 28th. I'm just going to read that one verse to you. Maybe a couple of verses. Go back to Deuteronomy 28. And he's talking about when you're disobedient. When you're obedient, he talks about what he will do and take care of you in the first part of the chapter. And then when he says, if you're disobedient, verse 20, the Lord shall send upon you cursing, vexation, rebuke, 
and all you set your hand to do until you be destroyed, Israel. And until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings, whereby thou hast forsaken me. And notice he says, when he says in that verse 20, the Lord shall send. It's God that sends it. And then he says in verse 21, the Lord shall make. It's God that's going to make. The pestilence. Interesting word, deber. D-E-B-E-R. It is a form of D-A-B-A-R, which means to arrange. And we get the word, I can't even spell when I'm right, when I'm talking. A-N-G-E. And we get the word dabar, and another word spelled exactly like it, dabar, means a commandment. And the Bible, and the Lord said in Jeremiah, excuse me, not Jeremiah, in in Ezekiel 29, oh, excuse me, it is Jeremiah 29, 4 and 29, I believe, Jeremiah 4, 29, Because I have spoken it, I have purposed it, and I will do it. Spoken is the word dabar. So it means a commandment. When the Bible says in Genesis 11, all the earth was of one language and one speech, the word speech is the word dabar, command, commandment. Everything was under the commandment of God. And then dabar means to arrange an evil arrangement. It means an evil arrangement. Well, that's dabar, evil arrangement. It comes from dabar. It's deber, means an evil arrangement. So God says, I will do it. So when he says pestilence, he says, this will be my arrangement. I believe that's what the coronavirus is. It's not just the coronavirus. It is everything that's a disease. Do you think that God brought AIDS to the world for no reason? Do you think always, let me ask you this, how can men be obedient to God's laws, his statutes and his commandments how can man be obedient when the preachers are standing in the pulpits lying as fast as they talk across America? There's no instruction for truth. We've got the charismatics lying, talking about prospering, being health is money and physical health, and it's not. We've got them lying, stealing from the poor, prosper, euhodos. Euhodos, actually it's Uodao, it's a construction of Uhodos, A U O D O O, and it's a construction of U and Hodos. It means well way. And Jesus said there's a narrow way and a broad way. The well way is the narrow way as opposed to the broad way. And narrow and tribulation have basically the same meaning. Basically the same meaning. If you got preachers preaching that prosper means money. Just send them your money and you'll prosper. And you're supposed to have the health of an Olympic athlete. 
That's not true. You've got the Baptist preaching, accept Christ for salvation. And the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.14, you cannot accept spiritual things when you're dead in sin. The Bible says so. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Natural sukikos means the physical man does not accept, receive. Dekomai comes from the word dek, which is ten. A decade is ten years. And preachers are preaching this as a method of salvation. The sukikos man, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S. The physical man does not receive. The word receive, dekomai, means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. The Bible says dead men cannot accept anything spiritual. My father preached accept Christ as your personal Savior. All the Baptists in America are preaching it. It's wrong. It's a lie. What is the method of salvation? By grace are you saved through faith. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in faith are the basic same word. Believe. Faith, pistis. The verb form is P-I-S-T-E-U-O. That is, you say, Jim, you've said that so many times. I have to say that when I'm talking about what God's going to send because he's sending all kinds of disease. It's not just, it's not just this virus that's going now. It's AIDS, Ebola. It was diphtheria in the early 1900s. Polio was a killer in the early 50s. I remember when people had polio, they said, we can't go around, they have to stay away. You'll catch it being in the same room with them, and if you get it, you die. That's what President Franklin Delano Roosevelt died from. Except they didn't call it polio in the 40s. They called it infantile paralysis. They don't didn't know how to cure it. There was no cure. I was vaccinated for diphtheria when I was a little boy. I was vaccinated for these. They gave it to all kids because they didn't know how to get around it. It's not just a. It's not just the coronavirus. It's everything. It's the pestilence of God. If God, if it's not that serious, let me tell you something. God will make it that serious. It's really amazing they've coming up with new forms of the virus out of Africa. I don't know how serious it is. I don't pretend to know. But I do know something about the Bible that God said, I will send disease. If you think this is the end of the disease that he will send, you are mistaken. I believe it comes from God. Then he says, after I send the sword, that's where your enemies attack you. And what I want to do, enemies attack. And famine, that's where a shortage of food. And the shortage of food would come with no rain. Boy, we can talk about Elijah there. And we can talk about Israel just simply ignored God's commandment to keep his statutes and commandments. That is a covenant. That's a two-way system. God gives you laws and you have to obey them. And we have to obey them. Where are the laws now? In fleshy tables of our hearts. If you, I have listened. I was raised in a Baptist preacher's home. My father preached accept Christ and sinner's prayer. And that's all he preached. 
He would quote, by grace you are saved through faith. He never said what faith was because he didn't know. He would quote out of the 16th chapter back, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but he'd say, pray this prayer and accept Christ. The last thing my father said to me on the phone, Jimmy, all a, guy has, all a man has to do is accept Christ as his personal Savior, and that's all. And you couldn't talk to him. He was a hard head. I didn't believe that. So, all these things are coming on the earth. If you think, if they, you think, if they find a cure for this coronavirus, that God is through, he won't send something else. They, we have every generation, we've got a virus coming. We thought AIDS was bad until Ebola hit. You didn't live a day with Ebola. You're dead. I've got a couple of books about all the diseases that's going on in the world. It is phenomenal how many diseases there are. I used to know a lady in real estate, her and her husband. She worked at Vanderbilt in the lab. She said, we're getting diseases in here every day that nobody knows what they are or how to cure them. She said, it's constant. You think God can't bring what he wants to bring? When I hear that there's a disease running rapid in the world, I don't care how serious it is or how serious it's not. I'm saying that's God. Now, what I want to show you is how that Israel completely ignored God and all that he said in Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus. And he said it many times. He said, this is my covenant with you. I chose you as my people. I did not choose you because you were the greatest of people. You were the smallest in number. It's the, the land of Israel is smaller than the state of New Jersey. I chose you because you're the smallest. Now, what I want to do is take you into the book, actually into Judges. When you, when you leave Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, and then that's when they're going into the promised land. Right after Deuteronomy. Joshua. Joshua, Joshua's job, Moses died because he murmured against God on this side of Jordan River. Actually, actually, if they're coming out of out of out of Egypt over here, and here's the Red Sea, and then here's Egypt here, and you got all this delta land, and it runs into the Nile River. Nile River. And as they are coming into their they're coming into the land. Moses is told you have to die because you've murmured against me. you got the Sea of Galilee here. The Jordan River is running down, emptying into the Dead Sea. They cross just above the Dead Sea, and they come to a place called Gilgal. That's very important. I'll be covering that in the study along the way. And they cross here just above the Dead Sea, Dead Sea. 
The reason they call it the Dead Sea is nothing can live in it. Fish can't live in salt water. There are no fish in the salt in Salt Lake. They can't live in. It. They call it dead. It's, you can just lay in the water and float around. You won't drown. Well, they come across Joshua's job. Joshua's job was to divide the land up into the various portions. Can you get this map over here? Huh? It was Joshua's job. They crossed the Jordan River here, crossed the Jordan, came to Gilgal there. That's where the first place they landed. That was centrally located in Israel. That's very important to know. That's where God would tell them, gather together at Gilgal. If you're going to attack any of your enemies, that's the central location, and that's where they had to go together. So they come in here, and Joshua's job was to divide this land up to the various... When you read Joshua, he's dividing the land up to the people where God wanted it to go to. You see, Philistia, that's the land of Anak, or that is also the land of of uh, the Philistines. It's what we call the Gaza Strip right there. That's the Gaza Strip. Well, Joshua's job was to divide all this land up to various people. He was he had to come in here, and of course he attacked Gilgal, he attacked Jericho, and he attacked all of these towns, Ai. That's the second place he attacked, Ai. And he attacked Jericho, and he divided this land up to everybody as God had told him to do. And then when you, they get into the land, they're settling into the land in the book of Judges. This is where they get into the land and they start confronting the people. There's a bunch of pagans in there. And God had told them. Now remember his promises in Deuteronomy 28, 28 and Leviticus 26, uh, 21, or 26, excuse me. And in Exodus 15, you've got to keep my laws and my statutes. He tells them when they get into the land, do, this is a commandment that he gives them. Do not intermarry with these people. This doesn't have anything to do with black marrying white or black marrying red or red marrying, marrying yellow has nothing to do with that it has to do with these people in the land were pagans and they worship sun and tree gods sun and tree or bale and grove under other names so do not intermarry them and the first thing they do is going to the land. God says, what does he say in Judges? Drive them out. There's Hittites and Perizzites and Amorites and Canaanites. All these ites are pagan worshipers. Go over here to Judges. Judges is where they're occupying the land. Why is it called Judges? They had 12 men. 
who judged Israel while they were there. Actually, they had 13. The 13th judge was Samuel. That's at the end of Judges where you're going into the book of 1 Samuel. So judges, they start doing everything that God says don't do. So what's he going to do? He's going to send the sword, the famine. The sword is them being attacked. Now, look here. This is true from one end of the Bible to the other. Why is it true with the Bible? It's not true with us. That he's going to let us get by with abortion. He's going to let us get by with same-sex marriage. He's going to let us get by with all this corruption against his word. And he's not going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, the beast on us. The beast was a world-ruling system. That's what we're trying to construct right now is a new world order. Boy, when I heard George Bush Sr. talk about the new world order, I went, whoa, that's the beast. Now, it's always been here. But let's look here in the book of Judges. Look what God tells them. He says to them, Go into the land. Do not marry them. Here in in Judges, the first chapter, look here. They ignore the judges of God. They go in. Judges, they've got all these judges. Othniel. I can't name them all. Othniel. Joshua was the first judge. Remember, he took Moses' place because Moses wasn't allowed to go in the land because he, because he murmured against God in the 20th chapter of Numbers. Now here in the first chapter of Judges, look here in verse 21. Verse 21. He told them not to intermarry with these people but drive them out of the land. Verse 21, And the children of Benjamin, the twelfth born son of Jacob, and the twelve tribes were the twelve tribes. They made a composite of the entire nation of Israel. The children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites. That's one of the pagan heathen tribes that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwelt with the children of Benjamin in the in Jerusalem unto this day. And the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. Go down here to verse 27. Neither did Manasseh, that's the firstborn son of Joseph, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns, nor Tanakh, and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor, and her towns, they married them. And you can read on through that. Look at verse 29. Neither did Ephraim, the second-born son of Joseph, and they were a tribe, neither did they drive out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer. Then look at 30. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron, nor the inhabitants of Nahal, Nehalal, look at verse 31. Neither did Asher, one of the sons of the handmaid of Jacob, drive out the inhabitants of Achor, nor the inhabitants of Sidon. 
Look at verse 33. Neither did Naphtali drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemash. And they go all the way down. Then you get into the second chapter. The judgment of God is going to be upon Israel. You can't read the book of Judges. They keep going back to sun and tree worship. Doing exactly opposite of what God said do in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Exodus. They just ignored it. America has ignored God. Now look here in chapter 2. And and an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal, the first place they'd come into the land, to Bochim and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt and have brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you, but you'll break it with me. This is a two-way street. You get a covenant from God, you have to obey. If you don't obey, all those curses, which I didn't finish up, let me finish up in Deuteronomy. I'm going to hold your place here. Back in Deuteronomy 28. I got to the word remove, and I didn't finish it up. Sometimes I get to going, and I can't slow down. He says down here in 28, in 22, the Lord shall smite you with consumption and with fever, with inflammation. Notice who's doing this. God, the Lord. And with inflammation and with extreme burning and with the sword, with blasting. I'll send all kinds of dust storms in there. Hard winds with mildew, too much rain. Now I'll destroy your crops, and they shall pursue thee until you perish. Your enemy will come against you one way, and you'll flee seven ways when you're disobedient. And thy heaven that is above thy head shall be brass. There'll be no rain coming down. And the earth that is under thee shall be iron, and the Lord shall make the rain of thy land powder. All the rain you'll get is dust blowing around. And from heaven shall it come down upon thee until thou be destroyed. Israel, when you're disobedient to my word, how can America obey God when the preachers are lying through their teeth? They can't. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies, and thou shalt go out one way against them, and you'll flee seven ways before them. He said the exact opposite in verse 7 of this same book. When you're obedient to me, the Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise against thee, verse 7, to be smitten before thy face, and they shall come against thee one way, and thou flee seven ways. Now back to verse 24. Or 25. The Lord shall cause thee to be smitten before thine enemies. You'll go out one way against them, and you'll flee seven ways. And the last sentence of that verse, and you shall be removed. How are they going to be removed? By the fourth judgment, by the beast. You'll be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth, and thy carcass shall be meat unto the fowls of the air. He's talking to Israel. He's not talking to pagans. And 
unto the beast of the earth, and no man shall fray them away. Now, go back over to Judges. All the way through the Old Testament, Israel keeps turning away from God. That's why what we're going to do is spend some time in Judges and in the Kings. This is all about Israel turning away from God to sun and tree worship. What they're doing is ignoring the covenant of God. Covenant is the same thing as a contract. You have to meet the conditions of a contract. Israel had contracts. They acted out their contracts. They had a little one-act play out in public. And they say such and such is going to happen. That's what Ezekiel did when he laid on his side for 390 days. Laid on his other side for 40 days. And it was a contract. That was what Jesus did when he said, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. He wasn't talking about something they were doing that night. He was talking what they was going to do after he died. Because testament is the same word as covenant in the New Testament. Diatheke, it means last will and testament. It means last will and testament. And that's something that he leaves to us. He leaves to us that we have to die Daily, to put it real simple. That is our covenant, dying daily. That's what you have to do when you're obedient to God in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter of Leviticus, and the 15th chapter of Exodus. You have to die to the flesh. In order to obey God, that's always true. If you don't, God says, just because you don't keep my covenant doesn't mean I'm not going to keep it. Here's the point. When God has a covenant with his people, he says, I'm not going to deny my covenant. You may deny it, but you're going to suffer the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. You're going to suffer all these things until I see to it that you do not deny me anymore. And that goes with the 70 weeks of Daniel. Don't have time to go through that right now. I'm covering the beginning of this teaching. This teaching, we're going to go through judges. We're going to look at all these different judges, Othniel. And every time a judge would die, Othniel or uh, Ehud, these were the saviors or the deliverers of Israel, and they all believed God. Ehud... Shamgar, and the list is Gideon, he was a judge. Before a new judge would be appointed, Israel would leave God as this judge would die. They'd leave God and go back to Baal in the grove, and Shemash, and Molech, and all of these gods of the pagans, They would go to all the gods they were serving and then God would appoint a new judge and then when he died, they'd go right back to the same old thing doing exactly what God said don't do and he would send, he would raise up the sword of all their enemies all through the book of Judges to cut them down. This is not as hard as what it looks when you're studying the Old Testament. Let's get back to this second chapter of Judges. He says, I will never break my covenant with you. 
there in verse 1 of chapter 2. And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Don't make any covenants with them and don't marry them. He said in Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter, if you, if you marry these people, they'll lead your heart away and you'll serve their gods. Oh gosh, that sounds like what Paul told us in his books. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rebuke them. Separate from them. If anybody preaches any other doctrine, do not bid them Godspeed. Godspeed, carol, means to be cheerful with them. We get the word charis from that. That's the word grace. Don't be gracious with people who lie about God's word. I'm not saying go out there and try to intentionally provoke them. Be polite if you're walking through a checkout counter or if you have a neighbor that's a heathen and they don't believe God and they celebrate Christmas and they don't believe in predestination, they believe in free will. Don't go over and eat dinner with them and try to be friends with them. Don't have any fellowship with them. The Bible says to mark them which cause divisions and offenses that are contrary to the doctrine that ye have learned and avoid these people. These are God's commandments to us just as much as Deuteronomy 28 was to literal Israel. He'll destroy our lives when we go after these people. Because these people serve not our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by good words and fair speeches. They deceive the hearts of the simple. Now, I want us to get back over here to Judges. Judges, the second chapter. I love the Old Testament. I love to show people how Israel kept turning away from God. Now, look here. You don't make any legal with the inhabitants of the end. You shall throw down their altars, destroy. You realize what you'd have to do to these charismatic churches? You'd have to break the law and go down and burn down their buildings. Or you'd have to cut off from them, have no fellowship with them. But you have not obeyed my voice. Boy, that is so significant. You haven't obeyed anything. I told you. I told you what I'd do over here in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Exodus. You're not paying any attention to me. America's not paying any attention to God. They don't talk about obedience to God. They talk about walking down some aisle and accepting Christ and praying this little prayer. Not obeying the truth. You have to obey the gospel. You have to obey faith. Be obedient to the faith, the Bible says. Wherefore also I said, I will I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, Israel, these heathens here. And their God shall be a snare unto you. How did the heathens get a hold of this? Well, when they were in when they were in Egypt, the land had been given to Abraham in Genesis the seventeenth chapter. They were in Egypt in Exodus they were in Egypt from Exodus the first chapter to Exodus the twelfth chapter, that's the Passover, the last plague upon Egypt, and they left Egypt. Well, the land was given to Abraham. The land to Abraham. Land to Abraham in Genesis 17. It was given to Isaac in Genesis in Genesis 17 also. 
Isaac, and he wasn't even born yet. And it was given to Jacob in Genesis 28. And God says, it'll be your land forever. Well, when they when they they they're put into bondage in Egypt, they're there for four hundred years. And while he's in Egypt, while they're in Egypt for four hundred years, pagans move in and take over the land. That's where all these people come from. Where did they come here from? Here in Judges, they came in. The land was there for the taking, and they took it. And it belonged to Abraham. God says, "You go in there, and you tell them this is our land. God gave it us. Get out of here." They were heathens. So anytime you read the book of Judges, this is where they're supposed to be driving the people out, but they don't. They start marrying them. I think that's what we've done in America. We've married ourselves to these lying false teachers. Then he goes on to say, I said, I will not drive them out from before you. That's your job, Israel. There will be thorns in your sides, and their gods, their gods shall be a snare unto you. The gods of this world are a snare unto the church, aren't they? And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept, and they called the name. They called the name of that place, Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let thy people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance. Joshua appointed all those places for them to go to. So they all went back to their various places to abide. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. They were afraid of Joshua. As long as Israel had a spiritual leader and Joshua loved God as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And then he says, And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works, the elders who lived longer than Joshua and they saw Joshua's works, they believed in Joshua. But watch what happens. And all the works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. Well, that needs to be in bright lights. Woo, 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 flashing. This means Israel is going to walk away from God. It always does. Every time the judge died, they would take off and go back to idolatry. Being 110 years old, he lived to be 110. And they buried him in the border of the inheritance in Tenathares, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gosh. And also all the generation were gathered unto the fathers. And there arose another generation after these people that knew the ways of Joshua. And there arose another generation which knew not the Lord. Boy, they should have put that in flashing lights. And watch what happens as soon as the judge dies. As soon as the leader dies... When a lot of people leave this church, 
They said, we're going to go at home and we're going to teach ourselves. And they die and they stop. And some of them go back to drinking, go back to womanizing. Did you know that? I don't get up here and gossip about it. They go back to all kinds of crazy things. Nor yet the works which he had done for Israel and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. I am is plural. That means more than one Baal God or one son God. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods. This is Israelites because Joshua died. I hope that when I die, people won't quit serving God. People say, who's going to follow you? I'm going to, I, I want Mike to keep playing my DVDs on all these TV stations when I'm gone all over the country and keep these on the Internet. I want to make as many DVDs as I can, as many messages, so they can keep this going, Mike and Tom and Dave, when I'm gone. They went after other gods, the gods of the people that round about them, and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord simply because Joshua died. We don't have a leader. Let's do what we want. And they served Baal and Ashtaroth. Ashtaroth is a generic generic term for all the tree goddesses. That's the Christmas tree, whether anybody wants to believe it or not. Ashtaroth. That's what they served. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and delivered them into the hands of the spoilers, the sword. And the people will come in and slaughter Israel. This is the judgment of God. This is the sword, the first thing that's mentioned in God's judgment, sword. And you can see all through Judges, God sends the sword against Israel. And every time a judge would die, they go back to their sin. I don't know why America thinks they had to suffer at the hands of God. And we don't. And we don't keep God's laws. And all these preachers out here are taking the word of God and twisting it. I don't like preachers. I don't know of any preachers I really like. John MacArthur has been the greatest disappointment to me of any of them. He's a brilliant man. Has an unbelievable vocabulary, but he he does Christmas, he does Easter, he does, I'm sure he does Valentine's, I guess, I don't know. He might as well. They're all the same thing. He dips in water. He believes in a pre-trib rapture. He's got a lot of error in his in his preaching I just am disappointed let's get back to this and he sold them into the hands of their enemies verse 14 round about so they could not any longer stand before their enemies their enemies are coming against them one way and they're fleeing seven ways now let's get over here to the I'm going to skip some of these guys because I can't do all of them in chapter 3 now these are the nations which by which the Lord left to prove Israel to put them in the fire to verify them as his. 
by them even as many of Israel as he had known all the wars of Canaan only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war at the least such as before knew nothing. They didn't know nothing about warring. So these pagans are going to teach them how to war by attacking them. It's funny how God uses things, isn't it? Namely, here's the five lords that's going to teach them. The Philistines, all the Canaanites, all the Sidonians, the Hivites that dwell in Mount Lebanon, from Mount Belhermon unto the entering in of Hamath, and they were to prove or to put Israel in the fire. Israel by them to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. Now, verse 5. And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And the next verse says, they married them. See, if you believe in this in this clan stuff that black's not supposed to marry white or red's not supposed to marry yellow or this interracial, this racial thing, you're not even going to understand the Old Testament. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served their gods. That's why God says don't intermarry truth with a lie. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about black and white. That's ignorant. Somebody writes me an email and says, you believe in interracial marriage. I don't believe in interracial marriage. There's only one race as far as God concerned. God says the church is a chosen generation. Generation, Ganea, means race. We're a chosen race. We're spiritual Israel, spiritual Jews. It don't matter what color you are. If you got the law written in touch you take with your heart, and you're black and I'm white, that makes you my brother or my sister. My brothers and sisters, those who do the will of the Father, this has nothing to do with race. There's only one race that God favors. Israel, spiritual Israel, the church. Heavenly Jerusalem, the church of the firstborn. This is how stupid the world is. They can't understand this now. And the verse seven, and the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the grove. That's the same system as brought in the church and renamed the Christ Mass Christmas. Here we go again. Therefore, they angered the Lord was against Israel, and they needed a righteous man to lead them out of it. And he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rithatham, king of Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia means between the rivers, between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, in southern Iraq or southern Babylon. And the children of Israel serve Cushan Rish. Atham, eight years, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because they're being ruled by pagans, by the sword, which is a judgment of God, which we've been talking about 
from Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, and Exodus the 15th chapter. God says, I'll bring these judgments against you. Why do you think he's bringing them against America? There's the preachers. I don't hear anybody preaching the entire truth in America other than me. I don't hear anybody. Does this is this something to brag about? It depresses me to no end. I am extremely depressed. I'm not talking about young men have gone out of here and tried to organize churches. It's a really hard thing to do, guys. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's brother. Caleb? Why Caleb? Caleb was in the wilderness and he was over 20 years old. I don't know how old he was, but only two men came out of the wilderness that was above 20. Caleb and Joshua. So he had a brother, Kenaz. And Kenaz has a son, Othniel. So Othniel becomes the first judge after Joshua. And always, God always appoints a righteous man to lead him. And he starts leading them. But he dies. And when he dies, guess what they do? Go back to their stupid gods of the land. I'm just trying to point to you what God said in these these books are true. And you can go all the way through Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and Israel keeps going back to their gods. And those same gods were brought into the church by Constantine and called the Christ Mass. How do you know that, Jim? I've said it a thousand times. Revelation 17 and 5 says, Babylon mothered all idolatry, or all harlotry, porne, P-O-R-N-E. Porne, we got our word pornography, but it doesn't mean to look at naked men and women only. It's the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. Pornea means... Idolatry. Ido and latruo. It means to serve what you see, what you put in your eyes and your ears. It might be a naked woman, but it might just be a new car, a house. When you do everything you can to get those things. Now, let's see what happens to Othniel. Mercy me. Verse 11. Next verse. The land had rest for 40 years because they had a righteous man leading them, Othniel. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. What do they do? (laughs) Israel is crazy, aren't they? And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord again. Soon as the leader dies, they just go back to their sin, and the Lord strengthened Eglon. Now, why is he strengthening Eglon, the king of Moab, which is what we call southern Jordan? 
This is Jordan right here. You see that it kind of connects to Iraq. Southern Jordan is the land of Moab. So the king of southern Jordan is going to attack Israel and be a sword in the hand of God to attack Israel because God says what that's what he'll do when they go back after evil. You think America's exempt from this? I think not. People get mad at me because I won't take one stand on another on the coronavirus. I ain't going to take a stand on Ebola. I'm not going to take a stand. Anytime I see a a sickness coming up on a nation or a world, I say, that's God. Most people want to attribute that to the devil. That's not the devil. That's God's judgment. This is really, you notice how simple this is when you stop and find out what these things are about. And Eglon, the king of Moab against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Israel did evil. So he raises up the sword against Israel. David said, Deliver me from the wicked, which is thy sword, and thy hand, Lord. It's the hand of God coming down on Israel. And he gathered unto the children of Ammon. Ammon is northern Jordan. This is... The land of Ammon, Jordan, right here in northern Jordan, is the capital of Jordan. Ammon. It's Ammon in the ancient world. Ammon was where, that's, gosh, I don't need to get into it, but that's where Joab was leading the forces of David against the Ammonites when he sent Uriah back up there with a note that says, put Uriah in the heat of battle, Joab, and withdraw from him. It was right there next door to Israel. So he gathered unto him, Eglon, the king of Moab, gathers unto him the children of Ammon, and Amalek, Amalek was right over here, Amalek was right over here in the Sinai Peninsula, right somewhere by where my finger is. So the king of Moab gathered these people of Amalek up here, and they're going to run over Israel. Because God said he's going to raise up the sword against them. And then he gathered unto him children of Ammon and Amalek and went and smote Israel. Why? Because they went back to evil after Othniel died. And possessed the city of Parbrim. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. And Israel cries to God again. They're in trouble. They're in their sin. God, deliver us from these evil kings. And they were nothing but the sword of God. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer, Ehud. Ehud was a left-handed man. Now, Israel said left-handed men were evil. Ehud. Left is the word sinus in the Latin. We get the word sinister from that. They believed left-handed men were evil. God says, I'm going to give you what you believe is actually evil to deliver you, and he's a good man of God. Ehud, the son of Gera, 
a Benjamite. He was from the land, he was from the tribe of Benjamin, the twelfth son of Jacob. A man left-handed. <laughs> you thought I was kidding about that. He was left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of southern Jordan, or Moab. But Ehud made him a dagger which had two edges of a cubit length, and he did gird it under his raiment upon his right thigh. And he's going to sneak up on Eglon. And he brought the present unto Eglon, king of Moab, and Eglon's son. Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had made an end to offer the present, he sent away the people that bear the present. And he himself turned again from the quarries that were by Gilgal, close to the land of Benjamin. Remember that? And said, I have a secret errand unto thee, O king. He's sneaking up on Eglon. Eglon was evil and wicked and cruel. But so was so was Israel serving these other gods. God chooses who he wants to save. He chose Israel to save them. Who said, Keep silence, and all that stood by him went out from him. And Ehud, the big, big overweight man, came in unto Ehud. Ehud came in unto Eglon. He was sitting in a summer parlor which he had for himself alone. And Ehud said unto Eglon, I have a message from God unto thee. I'll bet you do. He's got a dagger under his coat. And he arose out of his seat, and Ehud put forth his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, like this, reached down there and pulled it out, and thrust it into the belly of Ehud, into the belly of Eglon. And the haft also went after the blade, and the fat closed around the blade so that he could not draw the dagger out of his belly. And the dirt came out. The waste came out from his bowels, the dung. And Ehud went forth through the porch and shut the doors of the parlor upon him and locked them And when he was going out, his servants came. And when they saw that, behold, the doors of the parlor were locked. And they said, Surely he covereth his feet in his summer chamber. Now, he's back there dying. He didn't cover. He didn't go in there to rest. And they tarried till they were ashamed. And behold, he opened not the doors of the parlor, therefore, And they took a key and opened them, and behold, their Lord was fallen down dead on the earth. Now, God delivered them again. What do you think they're going to do? Same thing, all over again. And Ehud escaped while they tarried and passed beyond the quarries and escaped unto Sariath. And it came to pass when he came when he was come, that he blew a trumpet in the mountain of Ephraim. Ephraim is, you remember, that's the second-born son of Joseph. Ephraim 
is right here. The land of, not excuse me, Ephraim is right here. That's the second born of Joseph. Manasseh is the firstborn of Joseph. I don't know why Manasseh gets more land. Maybe that's wasteland up there than Ephraim. Ephraim was the head of northern Israel. And then he says, And Ehud says unto them, Follow after me. That's like the Lord saying, Follow me, Matthew. For the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. And they went down after him and took the fords of Jordan toward Moab and suffered not a man to pass over. And they slew Moab at that time, about 10,000 men, all lusty, they're manly. And all the men of valor, and they escaped not a man. So Moab subdued that day under the hand of Israel and the land had rest 80 years because Ehud was a righteous man and destroyed their enemies and while he was alive they had to serve God Ehud wouldn't put up with any less than that and after him after Ehud Shamgar the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with the ox gold, and he also delivered Israel. Chapter 4, verse 1. Can you believe Israel? And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. They're delivered, they're delivered, we'll deliver them. They go right straight back to Baal in the grove. Why do you think I hate that system called Christ's Mass? Because of this. Everything that happened in the Kings. I'm, I'm, I picked out some special things. Look here in chapter 4. We've got one. They go back after evil. And they have another evil man, Sisera, that rises up. I'm not going to go through that. That's a long story. Let's go into chapter 5. Verse. Now Shamgar in the days... 5 verse 6. In the days of Shamgar, we saw Shamgar, one of the judges of Israel, rule him in peace over there in the 31st chapter of, of, verse, of chapter 3. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Javel, the highways were unoccupied, but the travelers walked through byways. And inhabitants of the villages of Israel ceased they ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose. I underline that in my Bible. It looks like Deborah's writing this part of the book of Judges. She was a female judge. And I rose a mother in Israel. And they chose new gods. Then was war in the gates. That's very important. They chose these new gods to worship in Israel, and God sends war upon them. Was there 
a shield or spear seen among the 40,000 in Israel. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Speak ye that ride on white asses. That was kings. That was royalty. They always rode the small donkey because they were more for, more sure-footed than anything else. I'm going to kind of skip through here and show you some things. I can't cover all the judges. There's too many. I just want you to see Israel kept turning back away from God. Look here in, in 6 and 1. Israel all through here is turning away from God to other gods. 6 and 1. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. A, a judge had died. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midianites. Midian was a section just outside of Egypt. The Midianites, that's where Moses went and hid in the land of Midian when the Egyptians were seeking his life because he had slain an Egyptian. And he came back from the land of Midian after 40 years staying away from Israel. And he comes back to hear the voice of the Lord take him up on the mountain and say, Go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, Let my son go. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So the children of Israel did evil in the did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Midianites seven years. Seven years. They were in, they were being persecuted. So God comes to a man. He has an angel come to this man who's a dirt farmer. All he does is farm for a living. He knows nothing about war. Nothing. His name is Gideon. Gideon. God comes to Gideon. And he has turned Israel over to the Midianites. And they're persecuting Israel, giving them a hard time. And these Midianites are serving sun and tree gods. Same thing. If Babylon mothered it all, it all started at Babylon when they said, let us make us a name. And they... Not only that, but God says, once you say, let me make up my own doctrine, name means instruction, it means authority. Once you do that, nothing will restrain from your imagination. So all these gods are the same gods. They're sun and tree gods under different names in different societies. Well, the angel of the Lord comes to where Gideon is doing some work on his farm maybe sifting hay or feeding his camels. In verse verse 10, God says, I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Goodness sakes alive. How many times is that said in this book? Over and over and over and over again. How much time do I have, Mike? I'm not going to get through much of this. I'm going to stay on this subject for some weeks to come 
This will take us in the books of the kings where Israel kept turning away from God, turning to sun and tree worship. And that's the same system that was brought in the church and renamed Christmas. They're doing it here. They did it all the way through the Old Testament. As soon as their leader would die, go right back to sin. Look at verse 11. There came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak that was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abizarite and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. They're trying to hide from these evil men that want to slaughter Israel. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto Gideon, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, Oh, me? I'm just a dirt farmer. And God says, and Gideon said, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen upon us, all these evil Midianites? Because you keep disobeying God, like America. This is utter insanity, what's going on. It's like you think they didn't know about all these other battles before them and all these other judges before them. They knew all about their history. Why is this befall upon us? And where be all your miracles, which our fathers told us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites because you quit serving God and obeying him. Good grief. How long does it take for you to understand? Do I need to yell louder? America? World of 2021. The Lord looked upon him and said, Go this thy Go in this thy might, thou shalt save Israel. You're a righteous man, and you're going to teach them what they have to do. From the hand of the Midianites have not I sent thee? See, Gideon was a righteous man of God, but he was alone there. But when they had a leader that was righteous, that's why David could kill Goliath. David was the righteous king of Israel that God had appointed. And as long as the king was righteous, Saul thought he was king, but he wasn't. In the eyes of God, David was. That's why David brought Goliath down, because he was a righteous king in Israel as a young man. Verse 15. He said unto them, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh. I'm in the tribe of Manasseh. That's the oldest son of Joseph. We don't have any promises. We just are a menial group in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. You'll be just you. All I need is you. You do what I tell you. And he said unto him, If I have now found grace in thy sight, show me a sign, an oath, U-W-T-H, 
It's the same thing as Simeon in the New Testament. It means a flag or a beacon, a signal. Give me some signal that this is what you want me to do. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes of ephah and flour and flesh and put in a basket and put forth broth in a pot and brought it out unto him under an oak and presented it and the angel of the Lord this is food is what it is and the angel of God said unto him take the flesh the unleavened cakes and lay them upon a rock pour out the broth and he did so then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that it was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes and there rose a fire of the rock and consumed the flesh and unleavened cakes. This is an offering. If God, if you consume this with fire, then I'll know what you want me to do. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. When Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not thou, Thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar unto the Lord, called it Jehovah Shalom, means Jehovah of peace. Unto the days it is in Ophrah and Abizarite. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years, and throw down the altar of Baal. I want you to go through the land and strip the land of these Baal gods that Israel is worshiping. And he goes throughout the land and does exactly that. He cut down the grove, the next verse. He built an altar to the Lord, and Israel wasn't serving God. They had gone after all these gods. And the Midianite God had turned them over to the Midianites. That was the sword of the Lord that he promised in Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus, the 26th chapter. He turned him over to the sword. Built an altar of the Lord upon the top of this rock. In order place, he took the second bullock and offered a burnt sacrifice of wood and grove, which thou shalt cut down. And Gideon went through all the land and destroyed all the prophets and priests of Baal and all the gods in Israel. And all he was was a dirt farmer. You can't say, I can't do something for God, because he was a nobody. God took a nobody and brought down the Midianites. He was just a farmer. And they come to Gideon's father's house. I don't know if you remember earlier. Gideon's father's name was Joash. They come to Joash's house and say, bring Gideon out here. We're going to kill him. He's tore down all our gods. This is not pagans doing this. This is Israel's princes coming to the house of Joash saying, Joash is a common name like Jim or John today. There's a lot of Joashes through the Bible. Gideon's father was a Joash. And look at verse 31. This is where they come to Gideon's house. His father's house. And Joash, well, let me read 30. 
Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die. He's destroyed all our Baal worship, God's worship. Because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove. Christmas! That was by it, and Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will you fight for Baal? Joash said, He is a God, isn't he? Can he fight for himself? Will you fight for Baal? Plead means to fight. It's the word rube. R-U-W-B. It means to fight. Will you fight for Baal? Will you save him? He that will fight for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he's really a God, that's what he says. If he's really a God, let him fight for himself. Okay? You think he's a God? Let it. Let him fight his own battles. For let him kill Gideon. He's not real. Because one has cast down the altar. Therefore, on that day, he called him Jerubbaal. That was what Gideon was called. It means to fight for Baal. Saying, let Baal plead against him because he hath thrown down his altar. Now this story of Gideon goes on through the next chapter. The next two chapters. I'll come back to this. Do I have any time? Three. Three minutes. I'll come back to Gideon and then we'll come back. I'm going to work my way through the books of the kings and show you Israel kept turning away from God. That's why he blinded their eyes, opened the eyes of the Gentiles in Acts 2, or all flesh in Acts 2, since only one flesh, the lineage of Adam, down through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So God says, I will call my people by another name, the Gentile church. Do you think all the things that he said to Israel about being obedient to him, it's not, it's not true for us in America when the preachers are not telling truth? How can, a, how can American Christians obey God when nobody's telling truth and people don't read their Bibles and they don't know what the truth is? Talk to anybody about predestination. You ever heard that? I get all kinds of calls from all over America. I get emails from all around the world. Some people say, I never heard predestination. Well, it's all through the Bible. Mary said, she I got a call from a guy the other day. He was an older guy. He said, I never heard predestination. Well, she sat there and talked to him. She said, yeah, I heard your husband say you would preach to somebody as much as he would. She said, yeah, I will. Told him about all about predestination, God electing his family. He elected us to obedience. To that's what election is about. He's predestined us to conform to the likeness of Jesus, and that's obedience. That's exactly what Deuteronomy twenty eight and Leviticus twenty six is about. If we don't obey God, he's going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, the beast into our life. He's not going to spare anybody. His word is the same from one end to the other. What I'm trying to do is paint this picture for you so you could see it. This is not about... You can't isolate 
the coronavirus from this whole thing. It's a part of it. But it's not the only part. The beast is here. We're going to go through the covenant of God and God telling Israel, you've disobeyed your covenant. That's why I'm bringing Nebuchadnezzar in with his armies to scatter Israel all over. He's going to remove them to all the nations of the world. That's why in Acts 2, these were Jews from every nation under heaven because they had these laws of God where they had to come back from all over the world where they had been scattered. Y'all know how frustrating this is for me to try to tell you all of this. I want to say it all at once. I've got it all in my head. I want to just spew it out. And I know you can only take so much at a time. I'll come back to Gideon next week. And we'll move into some other judges. Like Jephthah. Like Samson. Samson was fighting the Philistines. Why were the Philistines overcoming him? Because they had turned away from God. And Samson had turned away from God. I'm going to have to come back next week and we'll resume this. This thing of the covenant goes from one end of the Bible to the other. It's a contract. It's the same thing I said last week as agape. I've got an article here out of the Theological Word book. It says, agape, it says the covenant was a relationship between a king and its subjects. That's exactly what agape is. And God only loves his wife, his Israel, his family. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to see this whole picture. It's just one big picture. Israel keeps forsaking you and going back to their old ways. The church has done the same thing in America. I pray you'll give us understanding of this, that we'll have to be obedient to you. Lord, we know your protection is not physical these days. It's a spiritual protection. It's all what was once literal, or shadow is now spiritual. Fight our battles for us. Give us strength in your word. And God will praise you for everything that happens. Good or evil, because it's all for our good. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I need, I've been needing to get back to the Old Testament. And go into some of these characters. I was wondering where that top went. It's down here. Can you get it for you? Oh, it's hard to bend over. Oh. <laughs> Sherry, it's good to see you. Michelle, it's good to see you. It's good to see everybody. Just how are you doing? Right. How about you? Just tired and worn out. Hope the Lord will let me keep standing for a long time. Yeah, well. She's afraid. She's afraid of being out public. I'll tell her that.
I'll tell her. I know you do. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jess. I appreciate it. Hey. <laughs> well, I'm going to stay in the Old Testament so I can show these things are true with us that's going on over there. It's God hasn't. He doesn't change. And how can America? How can America walk in the commandments of God with all the stuff that's come from the pulpits? They can't. I can't hear you. What did you tell me? No wonder the world is a mess because the preachers are talking. Oh, yeah. It's what? The world's a mess because the preachers are talking. Because the preachers. Preachers are lying. All of them. But they look respectable and they're real quiet. And I love the Lord. And when you correct me, they say, We can't have that here. <laughs> they don't. That's right. Yeah, just the fighting men. The fighting men because they wouldn't go in and and conquer the people of Anak. Huh? No, no. Just the fighting men because it only pertained to them. And they were. That's why David wasn't in Saul's army because he wasn't 20 years old yet. He was a teenager. But he was tough as nails. He wasn't this little scrawny shepherd boy that people always show you in a picture when he went out to fight Goliath. These guys were they were experts with slings. He knew he could hit Goliath before Goliath wouldn't even get close to him. He knew that. They they could hit a hair's breadth of fifty yards with those slings. He knew he could bring him down. They're not going to get out there and fight with a guy nine foot six like this. He's just going to go step That's right. But they were all afraid of him because they all fought with their swords. But it, he was. Most of those shepherd boys were really good because they spent all day long living with their sheep. And they were protecting them using the rod. David said, I killed a bear with this rod. I killed a lion. They were probably something like a cougar over there. And he said, I killed a, a lion with it. I, don't, I haven't proven your armor, Saul. I can't use this. He said, I'll get him. And he didn't kind of sneak up on him. The Bible says he ran towards Goliath with all his might. Yeah, and he called them out too. That's right. He was he was a lumbering giant. It, it reminds it reminds me of when I was in elementary school in Fort Worth, and they talked about the Russian team was going to come over here and and play the seventy sixers or one of those old teams, and they had a guy that was six foot seven or something, and there was no men around that tall in that. When I was a young kid, they, you just didn't hear a guy six foot seven. But they said that guy lumbered across the floor and couldn't do nothing. In the '76ers, or it was the Celtics. 
the Celtics were just going all around him and dunk, getting the ball in. And he was just lumbering, you know. A giant doesn't have the agility as a young man. And David knew what he could do. It wasn't a mystery to him. Uh, well, he believed God was with him, but he was also an expert. He, he knew he could put that right there. And he knew it would knock him out. It wasn't the stone that killed the giant. Which David cut his head off. And that killed him. It'll kill you every time. If you cut a man's head off, it'll kill him. just think about that. David had to be of a certain stature to handle the last sword. That's right. He was probably very wiry. I felt like it was time for me to get back to the Old Testament. And that's what the covenant is about. It's about everything that they did wrong. It's the same thing. When God says, I love you, well, if He loved them, He gave them His commandments. Well, that is what a covenant is. God says, your covenant is to obey my commandments. That's what agape is. And all these Baptist preachers I was raised around, works has nothing to do with it. And they were all high-strung, hot-tempered people, and they thought they could cuss. But you have to have a good works as a result of your faith. It's just, it's crazy what preachers are saying. We don't have to be obedient to God's Word, and yet the Bible says we do. We have to do truth. We have to do righteousness. I don't even understand my father. My own father, I don't understand why he said what he said, because he didn't know nothing. Oh, he'd read Bible verses, but he couldn't explain anything. He'd give you some Baptist explanation didn't make sense. Huh? Well, I'm tired, folks. I'm going to go to the house. Huh? I guess. Huh? What? Last night we were watching. I really am. You know, who?
Well, I'm, I'm real polite to everybody. I'm polite if somebody says good morning, I say good morning. I'm, I'm very cordial to everybody, but I don't mix. But I don't mix with them. I don't go to dinner with them. I don't go to break with them. I don't just say, you don't mind if I talk about truth if I go to the break with you, okay? And, uh, well, I don't know what you mean. Well, you probably don't want to let go. You can be, you can talk to people normal. Say, I believe these things and I talk about them all the time. And if you want to hear them, I'll tell you about them. But if you don't, I won't. They ask you what? We'll just tell them. But you've got to be familiar with some verses and tell them what the Bible says. And give them some Greek words. If you have to, take some notes with you before you go. Write down some Greek words. Write down some verses. The best thing to say to somebody, Christmas is Christ's Mass. Don't you see that? It's right there on the paper. And it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. Tell them that. They say, why was it? Well, it has nothing to do with Jesus. 